Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like, then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Welcome back, y'all, to Sivo Sisters, where we demystify and diversify the field of anesthesiology all within the duration of an anesthesia break. I want us to discuss artificial intelligence, y'all. Everybody is really hyped up about this, excited. Some people are really concerned and threatened about the longevity of their careers. I mean, we all worked so hard, studied for so long. Could artificial intelligence replace you? The short answer, no, absolutely not. With this episode, I hope to illuminate for you how AI would be used in the perioperative arena? What could be coming down the pike for us moving forward as we integrate this modality into our workflows? And so what does it look like for our field? Well, to answer this question, I am pulling from two papers. Uh, One is a scoping review that included 173 manuscripts by Hashimoto. It was published in Anesthesiology Journal, February of 2020. And the second paper is from the author of Bellini, published September 2022. I will put the link of both papers in the show notes. And we're going to divide this episode into six themes as to how AI would be applied in the perioperative setting. Let's go in order, the preoperative arena first. AI has been used for event prediction. This is really exciting. Being an anesthesiologist, we want to be proactive, not reactive. And the whole purpose of the preoperative clinic is to mitigate any risk factors that could cause an adverse event in the operating room. AI has been used to classify ASA status, a difficult airway, even offer optimal methods of anesthesia, particularly for pediatrics. Intraoperatively, We see AI used in a few ways. One is assessing depth from anesthesia. So many papers looked at this, the bispectral index monitoring, which many of us trained on when we have patients under TIVA. And the thing with the BIS is they take this you know, EEG and they compress it using a proprietary algorithm by um, Medtronic. And it's sort of like a black box. It spits out a number. And then based on that number, you make adjustments in your IV agents. However, papers have looked at AI analyzing the raw EEG itself versus abyss and found that the AI assess the depth more accurately, 88% versus 84%. So you can take that as you will. I think in real time, 
I predict it'll make suggestions to us to either increase or decrease the amount of volatile or IV anesthetics with us having the ability to accept or reject the suggestion as we deem clinically necessary. Let's be honest, many of us practicing in the real world may not have access to Abyss, may not even use Abyss because perhaps you just don't use paralytic because you're like, hey, if the patient's aware, they're most likely going to move and I'll allow myself to see them moving by not paralyzing them. Maybe you run your IV agents deep enough so that you're confident that they're not aware. Either way, AI has been used to decrease the risk of intraoperative awareness, which right now the rate is 0.1%. Intraoperatively, AI has been used to control anesthesia delivery. AI has delivered paralytics automatically to patients and been able to forecast based off of their pharmacokinetics when those paralytics should be accurately titrated, which I think is safer for AI to look at the PK as opposed to automatically delivering a paralytic of all drugs. Also, it has been used for mechanical ventilation, identifying like the optimal strategy, and then automatically weaning from the vent if that's what we want. You know, when we talk about weaning from the vent, usually in the operating room, many of us make every effort to extubate the patient uh, unless they had, you know, a big cardiac or thoracic or some kind of procedure where they should remain intubated for a little while. But I could see this most helpful when we talk about weaning strategies from the vent in the intensive care unit. I feel like every time we talk about when to wean from the vent, it's always a big debate and discussion and everybody has their own way of how they like to do things. And using an AI model in these areas of controversy can really help. Papers have demonstrated that, you know, in the ICU, since we're talking about it, predicted patients at risk for sepsis. And it outperformed the SERS criteria we often use, resulting in a 20% decrease in hospital stay and decreased mortality by over 50%. And it also predicted morbidity, mortality, success of weaning from the ventilator, as well as readmission. Now, I want to put a little asterisk here because in this space and time of corporatized medicine, I can see that if AI spits out that, you know, this patient could be high risk or this patient, you know, has high readmission rates and what have you, it could be a reason for an ICU to reject a patient or one to have a patient transferred if they deem that patient to be one that would require more of their resources and they're not going to get a good return with caring for that patient. I could see these models being used to not enhance patient care, but actually see this being an ethical issue if we're not careful moving forward. Now, what else do we see within the operating room and even outside of the operating room with AI? Ultrasound guidance. So AI has been found to assist with identifying artery Now, you might not be impressed by this because you're just like, I can identify an artery on ultrasound. It's the pulsatile, (laughs) it's the only pulsatile vessel, you know, in the view. However, there are patients such as those who have ventricular assist devices who don't have a pulse. And 
certain patient's anatomy, patient comorbidities can make the artery difficult to identify. AI can help with that. (laughs) Also, it has helped with epidural placement, accurately identified vertebral spaces at the lumbar level 95% of the time. And as our population gets larger and larger, I could certainly see this being a big assist for us. Now, uh, fifth, pain management. Here is where the use of AI, I think, is a bit controversial as well. Nociception is not pain. Nociception is not pain. Nociception is a type of sensation that detects extremes of temperature, mechanical and chemical signals, but it is not pain. You know, pain is mediated by the brain and it involves body, mind, and social factors. So just because AI didn't, perhaps for a patient, didn't identify that there is a nociceptive input, that does not mean that when the patient says they have pain, we ignore it or blow it off. If a patient says they have pain, they have pain, period, point blank. So we really have to be careful in how this is used and we're not diminishing patient care. AI has been used to analyze the EEG to predict who could respond to opioid therapy for acute pain, Uh, but the accuracy here is only like 65%. And they're trying to identify like a biomarker for pain and given how holistic pain is, this is going to be a challenge to achieve. And finally, six for OR logistics. They try to use artificial intelligence to kind of do what uh, anesthesiologists in charge or the anesthesiologist of the day, whoever's the board runner, to help facilitate what they do. Looking at factors such as OR scheduling, staffing, type of operation, team dynamics. But The model accuracy has been 60% or less. And the paper that they looked at that used AI for this, they did it within a simulated perioperative environment using mannequins. So given that it was fed from the theoretical setting, and then they tried to apply it to a real life setting, I can see why the modeling didn't fit. To see if AI really can be used to facilitate perioperative efficiency, we need real patients, real data in real time. To recap those six themes of how AI could be applied, one is event prediction. Two, assessing the depth of anesthesia. Three, control of anesthesia delivery. Four, ultrasound guidance. Five, pain management. And six, OR logistics. As we work to improve efficiency, enhance patient safety, and eliminate racial disparities, we have to ask the question, what is the data that AI is being fed? We always have to go back and question, what is is it basing its recommendations on? Is it being fed data from the real world or a, a simulated world? Is it being fed mainly data from white males? Because if it is, then it'll continue to maintain health disparities for women and people of color. And again, we have to be careful using AI for pain because what it's detecting is nociception and nociception does not equal pain. 
certainly overall, AI does show promise in every aspect of the perioperative experience. To close, we're going to end in the words of Rodney Brooks, who is an Australian roboticist and entrepreneur. As we move forward in discussing artificial intelligence as it relates to anesthesiology, keep his words in mind. Artificial intelligence is a tool and not a threat. I hope you enjoyed this episode of SIVO Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.